Wow. Dude, we, you're not here in the studio who are listening to this right now, but we just finished that podcast on shame. And if you listened all the way through to the end, you know, and you've tuned into this, you could tell I was, I was getting really emotional at the end. I mean, it was, that was probably the first time I've seen you get to that point. Like you really dug in on that one. It's hard because you're trying to finish the podcast without crying. Yeah. And there you go. Shame. Yep. Look at, look at how that plays up. Oh man, you can show anger cause that's masculine. You can show joy cause that's excitement, but boy, you start feeling, and it was, and it was, if that way you'll go, it was like, almost like feeling ashamed cause you're crying. Why? Jesus wept, right? Right. But, you know, I was like, why Why was I getting so emotional at the end? I'll tell you. I know why. Because I know what I was forgiven of. Yeah. I know I know what grace looks like. And it breaks. This won't be going out to everybody. I'm going to say it. You know, I forget who the author was one time. But she said uh, someone got mad because she wrote something that they had said to her. They were mad because she told on them, basically. Yeah. And she goes, if they didn't want me to say it. They shouldn't have said it, you know, and I'm not trying to add, you know, like that shame on someone, but I'll be honest with you. It, it hurt, you know, when, when after going through, you know, the stuff that happened when I was at the, the church, when all that kind of stuff happened, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. It was like a, it was like a, I'm not saying they were intentionally trying to do this, but it was very much like a shunning. Sure. I can remember the, the, the church body was told, you know, don't go visit them at their house. They need time to recover. And although yes, we needed time to recover. For me personally, I need someone coming alongside of me and saying, you know what, I went through that. Now, and there was one. I had one person who had, who had gone through a really difficult situation. Um, I won't expose that and don't need to. Just say that they went through a very similar but really, really painful thing. And they came to my house, and I will never forget, it was a husband and wife, and she had stayed with her husband through this, and it was a really difficult situation to stay through. And I was broken, man. And... I literally found myself like literally laying with my head on his knee. And he was just, and this sounds weird, but he was like, just, he was just, just like stroking the top of my head for a minute and giving me words of life and saying, I know. Yeah. It's going to be okay. It's, it's those moments when you know somebody else's story and there was other people that, you know, the, the gossip wheel. And you know, I, I, what I hated was this. You know, I'd have, you know, people that would see you like in an aisle at a store and you knew that they saw you, but then they turn and go the other way. Right. Um, and and I, I don't mean to try to minimize this because this wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a sexual affair. But my heart, there's no doubt, I can't deny that it was an emotional affair. But, and again, it doesn't matter, but the way that people handled it, man, they just see you and turn the other way. Or they come up and they go, oh, we're praying for you. Right. And you're like, who's we're? Yeah. So now we know the gossip wheel has started. Yep. And I think we've all, we've all done that. Yeah. But I can say this, when you've had it happen to you and you have someone move into you and they don't judge you or shame you and they say, I'm going to stay with you through this, you don't really feel the need to talk about other people's stuff anymore because you know that it's, it's wrong. It just is. Sure. Um, I mean, did you ever like, does it, it mean, like with you, Eric, you know, does he carry stuff maybe from your childhood or teenage years or as an adult, you know, things that maybe nicknames that someone called you as a kid, I had that or be bullying you and you made you feel like you were weak or frail or I don't know. I don't really have anything like that. I mean, not, not that I can think of, but 
I mean, you know, part of my situation though is I waited till I was forty, like forty-one years old to get married too. So what your your situation specifically, you know, I don't, I don't know. But and uh, honestly, though, I've when people behave that way and churches behave that way, man, does it drive people away? Yeah, and. That's why uh, now I uh, I just try to stay away from organized religion. I just go to non-denominational yeah. churches and and just try to minimize it and go there for the right reasons. And you know, some of the men's groups are fine, but you know, if you're if you're currently in a church and you feel that way and you see this stuff going on around you, it's not right. And yeah, you might want to find a new church. Yeah, bail. Yeah. you know, you can go look at I Town. And then you feel, feel shame. Oh, I shouldn't be looking at another church. And then you see how shame just gets in there. Yeah. I mean, Eric, what about when you said you were like 41 when you got married? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was almost 28 and I can remember feeling like, man, was I not good enough? Oh, no, I was. I just didn't want to. I mean, I was. You were totally against. I was just having a lot of fun and right. and doing, you know, kind of living my own life and you know, and I wasn't totally out of control and I wasn't a maniac or anything, but I don't know. I just, um, I think a lot of men have commitment issues Yeah, and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, I can tell you this, you know, when I think about, you know, what I've been doing now for years in ministry, you know, when you start getting a platform and people begin to know what you do, who you are, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I don't mean that in an identity way. They know what you do. And I look back at my teenage years, you know, whether it was, you know, partying or whatever the things were yeah. and those people now that, that knew me then, and they're looking at it like you, you got to be wondering if they're kind of scratching their head going, what's up with this? Sure. And, you know, and the enemy can make you feel shame through those years when you, you made your mistakes because you're going, man, I feel ashamed that I ever did some of these things. Right. And, and like, like the kids at home, you know, like our youngest, Emma, you know, I, I said to her uh, maybe two weeks ago, I said, I know you're going to make your mistakes, but I also want you to know something. I don't care what the mistake is, where you are, what time of day it is. You call me. And I will be there. Right. You know, I'm not promising you there won't be a consequence, but there won't be emotional consequences. Sure. And I think we can be all guilty of doing that, using shame to try to get someone to do right. what we think or want them to do. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you, you, you're around, you know, guys all the time, you know, uh, with your job that have made some pretty poor choices. Right. Where does shame play into that with a lot of these guys? Well, you know, I think looking at childhood trauma is the core of a lot of this stuff. And especially, and not to go totally off track again, but I've noticed um, a lot of times if we have guys that don't want to take showers and stuff like they're supposed to, if you go back and you really dig deep and uh, you look at the the file and the information, a lot of those guys were sexually abused when they were little. A lot of childhood trauma. There's there's a lot to it. Yeah. So, um, treatment methods are changing just the way we look at some of these concepts and, and dealing and handling. And there's gotta be an incredible amount of grief. You know, I, my, my wife, you know, I've, I've shared down here before. She was abandoned at the age eight, never knew who her father was. And there's that feeling of, I must not have been good enough or they wouldn't have left me. I would have known who he was. She wouldn't have been gone, you know, yeah. and, and you, 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 you literally growing up feeling like you weren't good enough. And so I can see why when someone's, you know, using drugs to abuse their body, well, I wasn't good enough. At least this will mask the pain. Sure. 
or, or not taking a shower. I, I'm dirty. I'm not worthy of, you know, you can, you can see it. Yeah. I, I know when I was coming in to record, you know, you guys can't see where we're recording, but we're right outside the center, you know, where Eric is working here. And when I was coming in, there was a you know, probably four or five, you know, people standing out in the corner, which are being helped through the facilities here, um, the Christian center and different things and counseling. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of things. There's food, there's all kinds of that help that's available, but there was just, and you could feel it, the sense there was, like you said, I could tell they had, some of them hadn't showered, you know, their, their clothes have been sleeping in for days. Yeah. Ew. And then you, and how does the enemy work in shame with me? You asked me one of the questions, what are you doing for the holidays to serve others? You know, well, and I mentioned like a food kitchen or things. And it's like this, when I walk by that to come in here or I'm like, I'm out at the, at the mall or what's left of the mall or what used to be like out, like you guys don't know where this is, but like out at Applewood Center at the other end of town, and whether it be, you know, pulling into where there's the Panera, you know, where people, people turn in and there's always guys out there begging for money and girls. Yeah. The same thing with down at Applewood and you pull up or getting off the interstate and you, you have them in your cities. You guys are listening to this and you're like, man, you pull up and you look in their face and you start almost feeling a sense of shame. Like I should be rolling down my window and, you know, here, take money, food. Yeah, I, I don't at I, all. Right. And yeah. I get that. Yeah. From working here, you know, right. How it can be manipulative. Oh, it's highly manipulative. Yeah. And we're trying to work with the city council and the mayor's office to um, make a, a city ordinance that says no more panhandling, you know, channel money into the mission and let us do our jobs. Yeah. Yep. Um, that That's the way to do it for sure. And I mean, there have been times. That's what I encourage everyone else to do. You know, find your local missions and, yeah. and donate. And if you if you don't have one, the Christian Center, the ChristianCenter.org, make a donation. Um, goes right in the general fund. That money goes to feed people, baptisms, Bibles, laundry, whatever. And that's a hard thing because are there legit needs out there? Absolutely there are. But God knows their needs. And like I think what Eric just said, you know, get involved in funneling some, whether it's food or funds yeah. or whatever, your time into those facilities that are geared to help. And those guys coming know that they're coming here for that help if they need it. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, Yeah, and, and you, know, you pull up and you're like, man, you just, you don't know. Even my wife, she'll sit there. She goes, I just never know. I feel so guilty. And I said, you know, some of these people are choosing that. And the former police chief, you know, he, God rest his soul, he, he passed away a few years ago, but he would come and he'd talk to me. And he says, Brent, we, we've followed some of these guys. And seeing them walk back behind the Walmart or whatever it was, and they had some really nice cars pack, parked back there they were getting in. That's how they're just funding it. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I think this, I think the best thing is, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? You know, you don't want to enable someone. Um, so you have to be really, really careful and ask the Holy Spirit in that moment, you know, to say, God, I'm not wanting to feel shame here because shame driving me to do something that's not healthy is not going to be a good choice. But... uh Open my eyes, God, to what, what breaks your heart that you see we need. And then open those avenues up, like Eric just said, to get involved. So I guess really, as far as this episode goes, well, this is completing the big five, uh, the big five man killers. And Shane was the last one. So to kind of just end it with things, remember that, you know, that lack of purpose, you know, when a, when a man is lacking that, he can feel disrespected. That disrespect can absolutely lead him to feeling angry about something maybe with his wife or and the next thing you know, he's lusting after someone, whether it be money or a woman. And then it or leaves both. Him, or both. And then it leaves him feeling ashamed. So wash, rinse, and repeat if you're stuck in that cycle. What's the answer? Stay in the fight. 
Stay in the fight. Keep renewing your mind with who you really are. And uh, reach out to your brothers to have someone to walk with. Okay. All right. All right. We'll see you guys. See you guys. Remember, we are the resistance.